Let's join now in the hearing of the word. If you are able, please stand and honor the, the Lord. Our Old Testament reading comes from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. And our New Testament reading is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you, all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. Please join me in prayer for the word. Father, we thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet. And Lord, we pray that we would heed your word and listen intently to your instruction, that Lord, you may teach us, that we may learn, and that we may live according to your word, all for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our Advent season. It's the second week, as you can see with the candles. Uh, we are celebrating the Lord and how he came 2,000 years ago and how he will return one day riding on the clouds of heaven. Last week uh, was the theme of hope, and this week is the theme of love. And so today's uh, sermon is entitled, Abounding More and More in Love. Of course, in Christ's love. We continue to reflect back on what Christ has done for us because that is how we live, we know how we live in the, in the present. 
We know that we've only been able to come this far because of what Christ has done for us until now. And we also look into the future, the future hope that Christ has given us that one day we will be with him again eternally. Now this is the way that Paul has set up his initial prayer in the letter to the Philippians. He talks about where they are now, how far they've come. And he says, the only reason you're able to come this far is because look at what Christ has done in you, what God has done throughout this time. And then he points them to a future hope. And he says, continue to abound more and more in Christ's love, knowing what he holds for you in the future. And so we're going to look at the three things that Paul talks about here. We're going to try to do it in a timely manner. And so first, Paul, he writes to the Philippians. And of course, this letter is not, you know, admonishing them about something or there's not some kind of trouble or some kind of situation or issue with the Philippians. And so he's writing them to kind of deal with all these things. But he's actually writing this letter in response to a gift that they have sent to Paul while he's imprisoned. And so it's actually kind of like a thank you letter as well as just kind of encouraging, strengthening letter. And so he begins the letter with a prayer and a prayer of thanksgiving. And he prays that he is so overjoyed and thankful for the faithfulness of the Philippians. He writes of their steadfastness to the gospel, even through his trial, even through his imprisonment and his persecution. They have continued to aid and support Paul in his ministry, even while all of these things are happening to Paul. He says to them that he's thankful to God that they have been partners with him in the gospel since the first day until now. Now, in our culture today, it would be like Paul was canceled, right? With all this cancel culture going on, right? Paul didn't say the right thing, and he's being persecuted for the things that he's saying, for the things that he believes. And it would be easy for us if we saw a leader who was canceled to disassociate us, ourselves with them because we know, oh man, you know, we're going to look bad, right, if we are found supporting this person. Our church is going to look bad if we're found, you know, you know just kind of coming alongside this person. And so it'd be easy, it'd be almost tempting to cut ties, and it was like that with the Philippians. You know, Paul was just being defamed all over the place. He's a false, you know, apostle. He's not the real thing. He's preaching the, the wrong gospel. He's being persecuted. He's imprisoned for what he's saying, for what he believes. But through it all, the Philippian church continues to support him, continues to pray for him, and even brings this gift to Paul. It's interesting the word that Paul uses here for partnership. He says, I thank, I thank God that you are partners with me since the first day. The Greek word that he uses here is koinonia. And I'm sure you've heard of this word before. You've probably heard of it as some kind of spiritual fellowship, a fellowship that goes beyond just interacting, right, once a week on Sundays. It's koinonia, spiritual fellowship, something that connects us more than just you know, something that we have in common, like our interests or our hobbies, but is the Lord that connects us, is koinonia. He uses that word when he talks about the partnership that the Philippian church has with him. And it's interesting. Paul is speaking of a genuine unity 
that the Philippian church has with him, even through his struggles, through his trials, through his imprisonment. So then for Paul, it's truly remarkable. It is truly, he's giving thanks to the Lord because these who are Gentiles are continuing to support him who is ethnically Jew. This is the vision of our church, right? This is the vision at Grace, the vision of the Bible, that we who were once separated, that we come together because of our Lord. We have koinonia together, this partnership that we have together. We support each other. We pray for one another as we did during the congregational prayer. We pray for, for those who are in need. We pray and we come alongside them. We touch of grace. We bring them meals and we do all these things. Why? Not because we just like each other. Not because we look like each other, right? But because we love each other in the love that the Lord has given us. And we share this koinonia this true spiritual fellowship, this partnership that comes because of the Lord. So this is the unity that we are called to as Christians, that we might have true koinonia with one another, that we may come alongside each other and become partners in the gospel of our Lord. For the Philippians, it didn't matter what other people said about Paul. All that mattered to them was that he was their true brother in Christ. And so they came alongside him and they supported him. And this love is mutual as Paul states in verses 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The yearning, the affection that Paul is talking about here is a love that comes from Christ. It's not some kind of uh, romantic, right, rom-com love that you see in the movies. It's not a cultural, worldly love or a selfish love, but it's a love that has been shown and revealed to us by Christ and a love that we can only love through Christ. And it is this love that enables the Philippians to be true partners, koinonia, with Paul, and it also enables Paul to have this true partnership with the Philippians. And so, although Paul is going through distress, through trial, through persecution and imprisonment, they come alongside him. They share in his persecution. They share in his sorrow. They share in his imprisonment. And that is what we are called to do as Christians who share this koinonia, this partnership, this fellowship that God has given us through his son. We share in our affliction. We share one another's burdens. We share in our joy and our victories because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So in Paul's prayer, he says that he is constant in prayer for them, and he prays this prayer in joy, and he's able to pray with joy even through his circumstance right now. Remember, he's imprisoned, he's being persecuted, he's going through all these trials. He says he prays this in prayer, not because they brought him this gift, right? He's, of course, rejoicing because of that, but he's rejoicing because of the fruit 
that the Lord continues to bear in this church, in these people in Philippi. So Paul's heart in this prayer is that he's praising the Lord for what he has done in this church. When is the last time in your prayer you praised the Lord because somebody stayed faithful to the gospel, right? When's the last time you prayed and, and you just were rejoicing to the Lord in your prayer because there was a victory in our church? Because even there's a hardship in our church. You, you come to the Lord. This is how we ought to pray, as Paul prays in his letter to the Philippians, that we would imitate Christ's humility and his love and the koinonia that he has given us. And so Paul, he thanks God for the current situation in the church in Philippi. But then he goes back and he says, well, this is why you are where you are because of what God has done. And so in verse 6, he says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He is quick to remind the Christians at Philippi that it's not because of them. They're not the ones that did the work. But it is because of Christ, because of his work, because of what he has done, that they are where they are today. And I'm sure that most, if not all of us in this room today, those who are joining us in worship, would confess that I am able to be here where I am today only because of what Christ did in my life in the past. When we read Acts chapter 16, we can find and we can read how the church in Philippi started. The church didn't start in a conventional way where, you know, a group of people gathered together and then they sent, you know, 10 or 15 people to plant a church, you know, in a suburban area. And then they gave them, you know, all this support all the time until they grew into, you know, their own, uh, th their own church. It started actually with a woman named Lydia. And they're just out by the waters. And Paul is led to this woman named Lydia presents the gospel message to her and it says that the Lord opens her heart and she receives this gospel and is saved. It started through a Philippian jailer when Paul and Silas were in jail and instead of, you know, moaning and, and being, you know, cranky, what were they doing? They were praying and they were singing hymns and an earthquake came and rattled their chains loose Philippian jailer is about to kill himself at what he saw, but they say, we're still here. They present the gospel to him. And it says that he, as well as his household, were saved. And this is how the church in Philippi began. And through this, you know, miraculous events of, of God, we know that it wasn't because of the people. It wasn't even Paul who began this church. But it was God because of his own purpose and his own glory that he began this church in Philippi and so Paul is reminding the Philippians that God is the one who started this work. God is the one who continues the, his work. He sustains this work and he is the one who will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord. So then in the 10 or so years that this church has been established in Philippi, they have continued to pray for Paul, continue to support him, send him gifts. They have continued to become partners with him in his ministry. And this is truly amazing for Paul because he wasn't there 
Paul was kicked out. After he was released from jail, they asked him to leave. Paul wasn't there to help the church grow, to preach the word every week, to do all these things. He wasn't there. And so truly, he is rejoicing in this prayer because he knows that he's not the one that did this. It wasn't even out of the goodwill or the efforts of the Philippian church. But he says it's all because of God. God is the one who is sustaining this church, and he praises God. And so although it may seem like he is praying this prayer and thanking the Philippians, right, for their faithfulness, More than that, he's thanking the Lord for God's faithfulness to the church. You see, during pandemic, during all of our struggles, during our lives, we must confess that it is the Lord who sustains us. It is God who strengthens us because he is the one who has begun this work in us, in our church. He is the one who will sustain it. He is the one who will continue it. So let us praise God and give him thanks for his faithfulness to us. Surely it is God who has done all these things. And so it is true that we do do the work, right? We commend one another for doing the good works that the Lord has given us, yet it is because, only because of the new heart that God has given us, that we are even inclined to do what is good, to do his work And so it is the process that we are able to be sanctified now because we have already been called and justified and adopted. And so Paul points to the future now. And he says, as you are sanctified, he says, God will continue this work and he will continue to help you to abound in his love more and more until that day when you will be glorified. He says in verses 9, 10, and 11, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now we have to break this down a little bit. It's too much information. So Paul continues his prayer. And he says that God will continue to sanctify you. And his prayer is that they would continue to abound in the love of Christ more and more. That's his prayer. And so how do they do this? How do we do this? Well, Paul, he basically says, with knowledge and discernment. By knowing the Lord more and more, by being filled with the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ, by studying the scriptures, by being filled with this knowledge, Paul says you will abound in love more and more. Paul's emphasis here is that the believers in Christ who have experienced Christ's love should continue to pursue Christ's love through knowledge. It's similar to his prayer to the Colossians in chapter 1. He says, be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding Increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul is saying that as Christians, just as when children mature, they gain knowledge, they learn about things, they learn about the world, they learn about life, and that is what makes them mature and grow. Paul says as Christians, we will grow in our love for Christ 
and our love of Christ when we grow in our knowledge of Christ. Increased knowledge builds up our love for God. When we know more deeply, in a richer way, what Christ has done for us, it compels our hearts right, to praise him even more. It compels us to worship him even more. And not only so, but when we learn in a deeper way this knowledge of God, what Christ has done for us, this gospel, then it also compels us to love one another in a way that goes beyond a way that we can do with our own strength. This is the koinonia, the partnership, the fellowship that Paul is talking about. And we can only do it when we truly have known what God has done for us through Christ. And so, the more we know about Christ, the more our lives should align with the love of Christ. I'll say that one more time. The more that we know Christ, right? This is what Paul is saying. He says, abound in love more and more. How do you do it? By knowledge and discernment. So the more we know about God, the more we know about Christ, the more, he says, we should be able to discern, to know what is excellent, and to do it, and to abound more and more in love. Love for God and love for one another. This is what Paul says. But let's look in our lives. Is this the case? When we learn more about Christ and his love, when we gain more knowledge about God, when we go to the Sunday schools and we do the Bible studies and we do these things, do we truly, do we truly abound more and more in love? Do we truly discern, are able to discern, and are we able to truly know what is excellent, the will of God? You see, there is love, uh, there is knowledge that puffs up, and then there's knowledge that builds up in love. And we as Christians have to be ones who allow this knowledge of God not to puff us up, but to build us up in the love of God. And so in Philippians chapter 2, proceeding, following our passage today, he says in verses 3 through 8, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul, he continues to urge these Philippians, to do this, to humble themselves, to count others more significant than themselves, to love others, to love God and to love others as Christ has loved us. How can we do this except not by our own strength, not by our own will or our own love, but by the love that God has given us, by the knowledge of love that Christ has shown us. And so when we continue to abound more and more in the love of Christ, when we grow in the knowledge of God, the evidence, the evidence that we truly know him is that we abound in Christ's love more and more, that we overflow in his love more and more. In this way, God is sanctifying us 
and he is preparing us to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ when we will be presented to Christ as his bride. Paul tells us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And we know that in Galatians, he talks about this fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that comes of the Spirit. Not the fruits, right? Not the multiple fruits, but the fruit, the fruit that, is in, that he has put in us through his Holy Spirit. He says he will continue to help it to grow and grow and bear bear this, this fruit. He will sanctify us until we are perfect to be the bride, spotless, blameless, and pure for Christ. And so in our Old Testament passage, we are reminded and asked, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? The answer is no one. When we ask, who can endure this day of Christ's coming? When he comes to judge us for our sin. He judges in righteousness and justice. Who can stand when he appears? No one. For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. No one, but like a refiner, like a purifier, he will give us new hearts, and he will refine us, and he will purify us so that because of him, because of his work, because of the work that he began, because of the work that he continues, because of the work that he sustains, he will refine us and he will purify us so that one day when the Lord comes like a thief in the night, we will be ready and we will be offered and presented to him as his bride. And so let us remember that now we are being refined we are being purified through our struggles, through our hardships, through our circumstances, through our family members, through our friends, in our church, through our jobs. We are being refined and we are being purified. And so as we give thanks and glory to God in the present, let us be reminded that we are able to be where we are because of what he has done for us in the past, that he saved us and that he now continues to sanctify us and that in the future he will come and we will be refined and we will be purified in his righteousness. And so let us continue to show the evidence of our true faith in Christ by abounding in his love more and more as we grow in the knowledge of Christ. Let us heed the teaching of our Lord Jesus who, after washing his disciples' feet, commanded his disciples to do the same for one another. And let us remember his words in John 15. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let us abound in the love of Christ more and more, that we may be filled with his joy, and that we may glorify him and him alone. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice and your son who saved us from our sins. And it is because of Jesus Christ and the work that you have begun in our lives that we are able to be where we are today. And we know that you are continuing to refine us and purify us. And so, Lord, let us humble ourselves before you. Let us allow you to refine us. Let us allow you to purify us that we may abound in your love, be overflowing in your love more and more each day, that we may truly prove that we are your children and that at your return, through your righteousness, we will be found blameless and pure as your bride. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.